0: Oregon dips its toe into the transfer portal by getting a defensive tackle from the University of Washington what does that mean for the Ducks defense and another great mailbag question that I'll dive into here we go you are locked on Ducks your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks part of the locked on podcast network your team every day Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Sonos. Experience the game like never before with Sonos Arc, the premium smart soundbar for TV, movies, music, gaming, and more. Visit Sonos.com to learn more. So the transfer portal has been perhaps the biggest subject of conversation in college football writ large, and Oregon has not been free from that. Seeing their fair share of transfers, Bo Nix has come in, Robbie Ashford has entered the transfer portal. He will be leaving the University of Oregon without ever playing, which, you know, slightly disappointing, but it's just the world that we live in, and you gotta expect that guys are going to go to places where they think they have a good chance to play. So Oregon adds Washington defensive tackle transfer Sam Taki Taimani. Taki is you know, sort of his nickname or first name uh, that you'll hear him referred to as. But Sam Taki Taimani joins Junior Adams, our new wide receivers coach and co-offensive coordinator, as the second former Husky to make the trip down I-5 to Eugene for the upcoming 2022 football season, which can't get here soon enough. Football is about to end. I mean, as I'm recording this, it's the day before the national championship game, and, you know, I I love watching games like that, but also it means college football is ending, and that is sad. But tough times up in Seattle. I mean, this guy has been a starter for the Huskies on the defensive line for the last couple of years, and, you know, they they really have not had a lot of good news up there at the University of Washington, which which just goes to show you all the times that I've come on here on this podcast and said, boy, this is good, boy, that is good, and put it in the context of when you're having a coaching change, it just goes to show you that it could be a lot worse because what Washington's going through right now, it's a lot worse. And so Oregon adds uh, Taki Taimani, and remember, Dan Lanning isn't even full-time yet. He will be as of Tuesday because Georgia's season ends on Monday after the national championship game. I'm sure Oregon fans are rooting for him to come to the Ducks as a former coordinator for National Champion. But let's get into this transfer, Taki Taimani, and what he will bring to the Ducks defensively, because it's expected and and I would suspect as well that he will probably be a starter on the defensive line or at least a regular rotation player at the very least. Defensive line is probably one of the more substituted positions on either side of the ball because guys get tired really easily and you tend to have a good number of bodies at that position as well and i mean it's just so grueling so physical so tough and you know that's why it's good to have depth and adding a guy like taimani certainly gives the ducks that so he's a 6'2 330 pound junior originally from salt lake city and three months ago actually at a press conference he called himself a work in progress and said that he needed to get stronger hopefully coach love our new strength and conditioning coach can help him work on that but a season ago he was a four-star recruit in high school by the way last year in the pac 12 of the five highest rated interior defensive linemen so not including defensive ends right so Kayvon thibodeau was obviously number one and i didn't look at who the other ones were on the edge but on the interior number one was Popo Almave for the Ducks. Number two, Brandon Dorless, again, coming back for the Ducks. And number five was Taki Taimani. So Oregon now will have on its D-line coming into 2022, three of the five highest rated defensive linemen in the Pac-12 from the 2021 football season, which is pretty significant. And this is a guy who... Was pretty highly recruited. He was a four-star offensive line prospect, actually. And he was ranked as the seventh best car, seventh best guard in the class of 2018 by 24-7 sports. But he's he was kind of a both-ways sort of guy. And he switched over to play defensive line. And in Washington, from what I've read about him, he's kind of disappointed a little bit. And he started 14 games over the last two seasons, more than any other defensive tackle for the Huskies. And this past season, he had just two tackles for loss. He did not register a sack his entire career, three seasons playing for the Huskies, and 43 tackles as well. So he provides defensive line depth after Jason Jones transferred to Auburn. And Jones himself was a four star recruit at defensive tackle. And, you know, kind of like Taimani at Washington, he never made a huge impact or I would say reached his full potential to what we might have expected when we heard that he was going to come in as a recruit. And I think that both of these guys have done what you should do on an individual level when you have that sort of situation. And that's go and find a new team and a new environment to try and start fresh. You know, and Jones, maybe he'll go to Auburn and Pop and Duck fans will look and say, man, well, why couldn't we have kept him a defensive line? You know, could certainly use a guy like that. And I understand if that ends up being the case, why we would be feeling that way. But you know, sometimes for whatever reason, whether it's scheme or location or whatever, whatever it is, sometimes stuff just doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to be. But I, I, I think sometimes you just need a fresh start, and hopefully that's what he can provide. Because I've talked about on this podcast before, Oregon's defensive line going into 2022, is probably its weakest overall unit. Certainly is on the defensive side of the ball. Because without Kayvon Thibodeau, we saw it in the Alamo Bowl. Oklahoma was able to run wild. There were big, big holes. And part of that was also that we had an inexperienced secondary who were more important in defending the run than most fans perhaps realize. But part of it was that the defensive line didn't have a push. Caleb Williams had a bunch of time to throw the football, and we saw you know, how Thibodeau really was the anchor of that defensive line. And again, I said this on a previous episode, but I know you all don't listen every single day, and that's all right. Go look at the Cal game. First half, Cal was able to run the ball. Garbers had some time to throw. Thibodeau came on, and he was single-handedly wrecking that Cal offensive line and disrupting their offensive rhythm. But Oregon, now without him, as he goes to the NFL draft, doesn't have a game wrecker like that. And when Thibodeau was not on the field, it was noticeable. So how this unit moves forward defensively is going to be, I think, probably the biggest challenge for Dan Lanning coming in as a former defensive coordinator at Georgia. He is going to have to address that unit and, and see if they're going to be able to play at a higher level because no matter how good your corners are, and I'll cover the, the transfer cornerback that the Ducks got on Tomorrow show just lots to get to and that's not a bad thing no matter how good your dbs are if you can't get any sort of pressure on the quarterback it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it just does not matter and so the defensive line is going to have to be better and hopefully taimani is a guy who can find his groove and you know maybe mesh with a position coach or get in the weight room like he says he maybe needed to and and make an impact because oregon Needs impact players on the defensive line, and it's it's someone who has the potential to do that, but hasn't done that just yet. And even if it's a guy who's been you know relatively disappointing in his career thus far, according to the uh, the stuff I've read online about him from his previous school, it does always feel good to win an off season battle with the Huskies. And there could be more, but first I want to tell you about Biltbar because if you've got new year's resolutions with regards to getting fit or eating healthy built bar has to be in your plan it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar it might even be better than a candy bar and it makes it easy to stick to your new year's resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars which can be chalky or waxy or tastes kind of like a chemical spill You want to eat healthy, right? We all do, but it just gets so unbelievably boring. And by week three, you're thinking, this is not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Go to Bilt.com, use promo code to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com So already a couple guys from Washington are coming down to Oregon for this upcoming season and beyond. And Taki Taimani, I hope he's going to be able to pop. Junior Adams has gotten a lot of praise from uh, Cooper Cup, who is maybe the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. Guy who played at Eastern Washington dominated there and is somehow having an even better career in the NFL. He and Matt Stafford are are quite the combination. But watch for a wide receiver recruit named Jeremy Bernard. And Bernard is a four-star wide receiver recruit who committed to the Huskies, but Junior Adams was his primary recruiter. And he received, Bernard did a scholarship release from the University of Washington after. Adams left, and all I'm saying is birds fly south for the winter, and it's still winter time. I mean, you know, we want them to stay through the summer and the fall, and all that sort of stuff. But guys are always welcome to join the flock, and uh, we'll, we'll just that's just a name to keep your eye on Jeremy Bernard, uh, a four star wide receiver recruit. Okay, so uh, mailbag question came in. That I wanted him to go all in on. It came from Twitter user at Lamike Black, and he asks Did we overpay for Tosh Lapoy, Oregon's new defensive coordinator, who had bounced around in the NFL a little bit? Before that, he was at Alabama. He was the predecessor to now Alabama defensive coordinator, who you will see in the national championship game, Pete Golding. So, Lot to lot to get to on this, so let's just go through it step by step. And at the end of the day, we might not be able to know until we actually see the defense, but I think there's still a legitimate way to examine it right now because he did get quite a bit of money for an assistant coach. So first of all, he is an elite recruiter. He's been in the NFL for the last few years, but I don't think he's going to have a hard time picking up where he left off. He was the 2010 recruiter of the year according to 24 7 sports Mario Cristobal by the way we saw the sort of guys he brought in Mario had the same title in 2015 and he was the second highest rated recruiter Cristobal was in 2016 and that worked out really well for the Ducks I mean Kevon Thibodeau Panay Sewell Noah Sewell Justin Flo, Mikhail Wright just to name a few of the big time guys that that Cristobal and his staff were able to bring in so on staff while lapoy was on staff at alabama from 2016 to 2018 when he was the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach he was consistently in the top 10 for best recruiters in the country so that should be an expectation that when we you know in the coming years look at the sorts of recruits the ducks are able to bring bring in and we look at who their primary recruiters are tosh lapoy's name if he's going to be worth the contract he's given which is three years 5.1 5.1 million, it's an average of 1.7 million per year, for those of you math whizzes at home. If he is going to prove to be worth it, the first thing he has to be able to do is what he is known for, and that's recruiting at a high level. He has landed big, big-time names in college football. He, uh, he was a defensive lineman at Cal, and then he's been all around the place coaching, but Keenan Allen, Najee Harris, Shaq Thompson, just a lot of guys who have gone on to play on Sundays, and have a really high impact but his salary is 1.7 million per year on a three-year deal and for an assistant coach even for someone who is a coordinator that's pretty steep and what i wanted to do was look at how it compares to you know sort of other notable assistants in a similar position as him so lanning our new head coach at Georgia, was making $1.25 million. He got a raise in September that was going to bring his total to $1.7 million in 2022 and then $1.8 million in 2023. They wanted to keep him there, and of course, the Ducks have swooped him away to be their head coach. So that's a pretty significant indicator right off the bat of Dan Lanning is hiring Tosh Lapoy, expecting that he is going to be an integral member of this staff for years to come and that he's going to be able to be a high-impact high impact assistant as well. Because when you look at the salaries of other defensive coordinators at similarly highly relevant football programs like I think Oregon is, and I know many of you do as well, Alex Grinch, who was at Oklahoma, has now gone to USC with Lincoln Riley. He was a finalist, or he might have won the Broyles Award, Within the last year or two, as the nation's top assistant, he's at 1.8 million. Dave Aranda, the head coach at Baylor, when he was the DC at LSU, he was making 2.5 million, and he was the highest paid assistant coach that year, tied with Brent Venables when he was the DC at Clemson, now the head coach at Oklahoma, 2.5 million a year. And I picked those guys specifically because those are the. Those are the salaries for the guys who go on to be head coaches, right? It's it's schools recognizing that these guys have a tremendous amount of potential and that they are tremendous, tremendous defensive coordinators, and they want to do everything they can to try and keep them around. Pete Golding at Alabama, by the way, who is the defensive coordinator now and he took over for Tosh LePoy after Lapoy went to the NFL after the, the 2018 season. He is making $1.225 million per year. And, and by the way, what defense did Oregon struggle the most with this year? Utah's. And the Utah defensive coordinator, Morgan Scally is making less than a million dollars per year. He's never made even a million dollars. So I think it is fair to say that the 1.7 figure over the next three seasons that we are, are going to pay Tosh Lapoy as defensive coordinator... It's a really steep number. Did we overpay? I'll answer that after I tell you about GetUpside. Anyone who buys gasoline has to know about get Upside. My listeners are making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas. Every time they fill up, just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use promo code SCORE and get a bonus, $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back per gallon. Don't pay full price to the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back, and there's no catch. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo code SCORE to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. So, the question that started all, all of this from Twitter user at Lamike Black, and by the way, if you want a question answered on the show, just like he is having done right now, hashtag AskLODPod, or go to at Smalls underscore 55 on Twitter, you can slide right up into the DMs, or you can hit up the DMs of the Locked on Ducks Twitter account at Locked on Ducks, and You throw questions at me, I will answer them here on the show. I would love, and I have been pleasantly surprised by the amount of fan engagement that I get online and and with the show, and I want that to continue. So the fundamental question is, did we overpay? The quick answer is it's too soon to tell because we haven't seen the defense take the field yet, and we haven't seen what sort of recruits he's going to be able to bring in. But if he recruits at a high level, and I mean a high, high level you know, going back to what he was in 2016 to 2018 when he was the D.C. at Alabama and he was a top 10 recruiter every year according to 24-7 Sports, that alone could allow him to live up to the hype of making $1.7 million a year as a defensive coordinator. And I read some stuff online about his tenure at Alabama not ending great because the last game where he was the D.C., was what I've referred to as the uh, the Bama beatdown. I was at that game in uh, Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara, California. I was in college at the time, and it was a 44-16 final. That's not a great way for it to end, and there were reports that Nick Saban had taken away play-calling duties from him, which, again, is not great. But that season, Alabama had injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and they also faced in the championship game this upstart freshman quarterback named Trevor Lawrence. You might have heard of him. He's pretty good. And his college career w- was kind of exceptional. And, you know, its it can be a little concerning to read reports about how Saban took away the play calling from him. But that's one of the reasons that I hope Dan Lanning continues to call plays on the defensive side of the ball as he has done at the University of Georgia for the last couple of years and I think that that's important because if you win games I've talked about this before if you win games as a college football program people are going to come looking to get your assistant coaches it's just the it's just the way this works because if you're having success other schools want to have success and they want a little bit of what you're having and so say in in 3 years when Lepoy's contract is up he has an offer to be a head coach because the defense has been kicking butt and taking names on that side of the ball then Dan Lanning still being there to call the plays at least provides some semblance of continuity and and I oh, I also want to go back to this cuz I think this is important that year when you know there were reports about uh, LePoy not understanding Saban's system, and the two didn't get along, and he took the play calling away, and yada, yada, yada. The Alabama defense may not have ended on a high note that year, but it's not, it's not like they were a train wreck. That year, they got to the national championship game. They allowed 18 points a game, 320 yards per game, and 4.9 yards per play, which is defense is pretty darn good across the board. So they weren't a disaster. They just allowed a bunch of points to Trevor Lawrence and Clemson who were really good (laughs) and you you had an off day. And I don't think that should be a complete and total indictment of his capabilities as a defensive coordinator. So even if he's not elite at, you know, calling plays or organizing a defense as we would perhaps like, that's what Dan Lanning is there for. and, And why I think this is such a great hire because at the end of the day, you know what you need in college football? You need dudes. And and Tosh LePoy and Dan Lanning, they've showed an ability to recruit dudes. And I, I am just I, I am excited about the potential of what those sorts of players might look like once these guys really dig in and start recruiting because I, I think we could continue to see players of, you know, a, a Kayvon Thibodeau, a Noah Sewell, Justin Flo, Mikael Wright, those sorts of caliber guys coming in to Eugene to play football for the Oregon Ducks. And that, the, the, the prospect of that is really, really exciting. Something I want to wrap up with here, our new running backs coach, Carlos Lachlan has made a concerted effort online to, you know, be a part of the University of Oregon And also to pay homage to the greats of Oregon's past, which I think is fantastic. And the first thing he tweeted was paying homage to Gary Campbell, who is indeed an Oregon legend, if you didn't know. He was the running backs coach from 1983 to 2016. And talk about an unbelievable number of great running backs that he coached. From, you know, Jonathan Stewart and Jeremiah Johnson and Mo Morris to Michael James and... De'Anthony Thomas and Royce Freeman and uh, Lachlan also said he wanted to get in touch with with some of those great running backs as well. And you know this is just a small thing, but I appreciate guys who are putting in the effort like that. I want to see our coaches putting in the time to to go above and beyond and want to be a part of the University of Oregon and be members of the University of Oregon involved in the community. So love to see that thought I would share. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go ducks.